one of the things that I put into mental clutter also are the stories we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's our inner dialogue. It's the stories that I tell myself. I'm not good enough for this or ooh, they're gonna find me out. So confidence and stories, limiting beliefs and all that type of stuff. So that's one area mm. of clutter that really gets in the way. On Tech Talks today, Ingrid Pope talks about creating space coaching and the ability to declutter our minds. This is Tech Talks. It's your twice-weekly technology podcast featuring interviews with tech leaders and insight from the market. So if you're interested in tech, this is the show for you. So joining me on today's show, we've got Mario Michaels, who's a colleague from the Manchester office, because we're sitting here in Manchester rather than the normal surroundings of London. How are you? I'm well, thank you. A bit tired after last night. Yeah, you've agreed to do this with zero <laughs> breath, having had a few beers last night at your tech event. I feel like there should be like, I don't know, the Stone Roses in the background playing this <laughs> And I've got to say Stone Roses rather than Oasis because I'm married into a red family. Oh, are you? Right. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Not sure we're going to get on tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, look, you had your tech event last night. And what was it, about 120 people in the foundation? Yeah, 120 in um, Federation House. Federation House, yeah. Co-ops building. Um, yeah, 120. Um, it was a really, really good event. So we, we tried to split into two parts. So historically, um, we... Uh, Having Ash do a tech survey every year goes out to roughly 2,000 people globally. So we like to get the um, the content out from that tech survey because that's what people and technologists are thinking. But at the same time, we wanted to tap into the vibrant tech scene that Manchester has yeah. specifically around. So you invited what five five startups to go yeah. and kind of Dragon's Den style pitch. Effectively, yeah, and almost two things really: sense check how they're doing as a business by having 120 people. Yeah. tell them how they're doing and would they invest in them and um, would they um, work for them and are they innovative but at the same time it's also great for those guys as well because they're sat in front of 120 people and if those 120 people tell five people about each of those businesses then yeah. straight away your brand can grow exponentially so. and your winner was Macanto yeah Macato 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 apologies they seem pretty psyched about it yeah, they they were. Um, they would. Yeah, so they won. Um, it, that's a phenomenal business. You know, they they set up in March two thousand and nineteen, so they've been going just shy of a year, and they've generated contract value of eleven million. Um, so as far as monetary value goes, wow. You know, why wouldn't you want to invest in that? But also, what they're doing is pretty cool as well in terms of what I believe and clearly what they believe, revolutionising the way retail will yeah um will exist in the future uh, in that second hand market and it's interesting because i i kind of get the sense that there is obviously a startup scene in manchester mm. but it's nascent by comparison to like london where yeah. it's been around for <coughs> yeah, quite yeah. a long time so it's fun to come to a city where that's kind of at the early stages mm. and uh i don't know there, there was a, there was a point last night when someone said has anyone worked for a startup before mm. And that would still be a relevant question in London, but it would feel like quite an odd question. Yeah. Because there are so many startups yeah. and so many people have worked in them, but that, that still obviously has a bit more relevance here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it's still very much in its infancy, but, you know, part of selecting five from last night, you know, I spoke to 35 or 40. I could have selected 
any of those to come and pitch last night. Um, so it's not as many as London. Obviously, we're not as big a city as London, but um, a lot more investments going into um, into the city, and as a result, a lot more startups and a lot more businesses will be created. And also, um, we're getting a lot more businesses move up from London, like mm. Moonpig and Amazon and so on and so forth. So all that's going to do is breed good, solid technologists who then come up with an idea while they're at work yeah, yeah, yeah. and then spin off. So Or even make sure that the people that you're producing at places like Manchester University aren't as tempted to head south for work. Exactly. Yeah. Well, look, there's plenty to talk about, but we'll skip into the interview. Uh, slightly longer introduction given the uh, cultural surroundings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to the show, but we'll skip into the interview and then we'll come back with some news and comment afterwards. So today we're talking to Ingrid. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for coming in and having a chat to us. Pleasure. Now you are a professional coach with yeah. Creating Space Coaching, right? Yes, correct. The role that you've had for about five years. Mm. And does that is that t- crossed over with other roles or has that been full-time? Because you were... You would make sure I've got this right. Consumer Healthcare IT Business Partner Europe for GSK up until 2016. Yes. I'm just wondering kind of when the coaching started and the other mm. stuff stopped, etc. Yeah, so the coaching started a few years before that. So right. GSK was um, quite a pioneer in terms of coaching and setting up some internal coaching facility. So I was... I trained as a coach then and became an internal coach alongside my day job in IT and just thoroughly enjoyed it and found that because in IT business partnering, all you're doing is building relationships with people. And I just found that the coaching was really useful for that Mm. and thought, actually, that's the way to go. So there was a bit of an overlap at first until I then left GSK and then I've been doing this full time since. And creating space coaching, is Mm. that your business? Is that a business that you work for? It's my business. It is your business? Yes. Okay, cool. And are you working alone or or with partners or? So I work alone a lot of the time um, and I have a group of colleagues to call on for larger pieces of work. So what kind of stuff is it that you're actually delivering through that business? Mm. So it's twofold. On the one hand, it's professional coaching, Mm -hmm. and we can go into that in a moment. And on the other hand, because coaching is about uh, helping people think through stuff and not really giving them advice and telling them what to do. And I found that in a particular area, which I'm quite interested in, which is clutter and decluttering, I had stuff to say about that. So I have another thread to the business, which is talking about decluttering, mm. either in keynotes or in workshops or well-being events and companies going and talking about clutter. And what's, I mean, what's a typical customer then? Because yeah, looking at your LinkedIn, mm. which is up in front of me at the moment, it talks about group coaching, uh, it talks about executives, it talks about managers. Mm. Um, Part of me suspects that maybe mid-management or just a little bit above might have real kind of issues with the fact that they've still got an element of rolling their sleeves up and the management responsibility that comes with it. But maybe maybe execs and maybe maybe it's wrong to even try and pigeonhole one particular personality in an, in an organisation over another. But it'd just be intriguing to know who you end up spending most of your time with. Mm, so, good point. 
a lot of it is around that move, I suppose, from manager to leader in a way, from trying to step away from the hands-on, I'm an expert at this and let me show you, my team, how to do this stuff, to really moving into a slightly more strategic role. There's That tends to be the type of people that I, one of the groups of people that I work with, but it it can also be the more senior people Mm. who have probably spent a lot of time in a bunch of training courses and kind of know how to do this stuff and find themselves really quite busy and at points where maybe they're thinking about the next career step and what happens next and are not really finding the time to stop and think. And so that's where I also come in. Do you think that's a that's a large part of it? Because I know that you listened to Sophie Devich's show before mm. you came on the podcast. And she talked a lot about the need for a business to edit. Mm-hmm. And when you say stop and think, yep. kind of reminds me of that, but on a one person scale level. Exactly. It's exactly that. And it's where this whole clutter stuff comes in. I mean, you and I talked about it a little bit before, you know, where we go through the day, we have a routine and we go to work. And if we're really uh, super efficient and organized and productive, we use our commute to consume information, news, training, whatever it is, we get into work and we're often firefighting and dealing with people and maybe some people we struggle with a little bit or they take more of our time and our Mm. attention and then we get to the end of the day and we've not quite got to the thing that we really needed to do and in all of that noise we don't quite and that word edit that sophie uses is interesting we don't really think about editing what we need in our day in our week in our month in our year even if we're thinking longer term and what is it? What's the important stuff that we need to focus on? Mm. I mean, I think it's interesting. I don't, I don't know whether mm. this might be wildly wrong and off target, and people listening might say that I'm an idiot for saying this. But you see a lot of stuff online these days saying traits of successful people, and they read X, Y, and Z, and you should be reading and listening and doing. And you kind of mentioned there about reading on your commute. Mm. I kind of wonder how much people can actually take. Like I, I will switch off on a commute. I'll listen to listen to music and shut my eyes and just blank out quite happily yeah uh and if anything i think that that probably makes me more productive during the course of the day and there does seem to be this narrative at the minute that we should just be soaking up like sponges all of this information and and being super on it with regards to reading business books and everything else Mm. i can't really think of anything worse (laughs) yes and so the other day i was looking for a magazine uh, at the newsagent and i picked up a magazine called, I think, and anyway, they they had reviewed apps and gadgets and it said a hundred apps reviewed and so the hundred best apps and the 174 gadgets tested. And I looked at that and I thought, oh my God, my brain can't even compute the 10 best apps. So hundred apps. And it's a bit similar with all these amazing books we need to read and all these great podcasts we need to listen to. Mm. This one here excluded, obviously, because this one we should listen to, the tech talk. Well, I don't all the time. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not true. (laughs) It fits in with, we are, our world has evolved, you know, and everything has sped up Mm. exponentially. I mean, we keep hearing 
the latest number of you know amount of data that is being produced every hour or every day or every, you know mm. and there is just so much out there and our brains aren't designed to take on the sheer volume of everything that's thrown at us yeah so look, one thing that i think is quite interesting you, you mm. talked about decluttering yeah i currently have a shed full of my mother and father-in-law's tat yep. at the bottom of the garden. I might be moving house quite soon. And I frankly want to blow it up. We've yep. gone in there before and we've found old remotes that don't belong to anything anymore and don't work. And it's just, what on earth are we hoarding this stuff for? I think when you kind of declutter a house, there's an element of, it's quite easy to see what's what's just crap and, and what's useful. Yeah. But that must be a lot harder to do mentally. Mm. You know, you can't physically sort through your brain. So how do you get people to, to declutter when it's, something that's so less tangible and and more of an abstract kind of construct? Yes, great question. So really, if I think that there's one focus in, uh, you know, one thing that I want to achieve, both be it in the coaching or in the workshops or talks, it's to create a little bit of awareness, start noticing this stuff that you don't see anymore and that you're blind to. Mm. So yeah, your example of the shed is, gr- is a great one. And um, mentally, we, we don't notice what's going on. And another element of that is also all this digital stuff, all our digital data, because it's intangible. We don't think of it, but that's also masses of clutter. Mm. How many photos do we have? How many files do we have? Are these structured or not structured? So start noticing that and press that pause button and just Mm. take that one step back and think, okay, well, let me look at this. Let me at least survey my landscape and see what is, what is in my landscape. That's the first step actually that I do when I work with my coaching clients. Let's just survey our landscape. What is, what is there? And that can take any form. Either you use visuals or you write down or you use a whiteboard or you type it, whatever it is, whatever works for you. Just start writing or noticing all these different parts. Mm. And once you can see them, they start becoming a little bit tangible. And then you can start addressing them. So you've mentioned coaching a couple of times. Mm. You kind of, there's, there's some interesting techniques there, interesting ones in terms of writing stuff down and beginning to notice them. But if you're actually coaching someone, yes. if you're trying to kind of say, all right, let, let's have a look at what you're doing on a day-by-day basis yeah. and do something practical to help you beyond self-help type style yeah. stuff. What What is that? How, how do you define coaching and how do you actually work with someone to make sure they're taking something away from course mm. that, that feels like, oh, hang on a minute, I've, I've taken a couple of steps forward here. Yes. So... That's a really good question because coaching comes up and it's used a lot in a lot of different environments and industries. And there are a lot of different um, definitions of coaching and people think differently when they think of coaching. So the type of coaching I do is um, it's aligned with the International Coach Federation stuff and the way that the, they um, look at that. And it's non-directive, meaning I'm not going to tell you what to do. And there are a number of reasons for that because you're the expert in your life, you know what's right for you. Um, I come from a different place, so I might think it's a great idea to write down everything that's in your head, whereas you might think, yeah, I've done that already, that hasn't quite helped. Mm. So 
me to give you advice isn't necessarily going to be useful. Another element of that is um, we know through various bits of research that change is one of the hardest things to do. And so it's so key to understand where the motivation is for that change. And we know that if you want to change something, if you are far more likely to carry through with that if it was your idea. Mm -hmm. So the way that this this type of non-directive coaching works is I'm a thinking partner and I say, okay, what's your, what is it that we're working on? What is it that you're finding difficult? Yes. Or whatever it is. And then through questioning in a way that's right for you. So either one day I'm really challenging you or maybe I'm really supportive because you're having a really tough time. So in a way that's right for you, we work through what could you do? Mm. And at the end of each session, you come away with two, three things to try out, which yeah. are, which you have thought of with my help, but which you've thought of and which are going to be right for you. So last quick thing that I, mm. I think would be interesting. Um, people are obviously wildly different. That's not a surprise. They sure and they, they have lots of different challenges in their lives. But yeah. if you could kind of think of one or two unifying uh, hurdles that people throw up or, or, or face that yeah. stops them being able to see and think clearly, what do you think that might be? So... One of the things, one of the bits of mental clutter that we carry around, we talked a little bit about that earlier around all this stuff that we need to do and maybe the intangible stuff. Um, one of the bit, things that I put into mental clutter also are the stories we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's our inner dialogue. And that's a big piece around what holds people back. So it's the stories that I tell myself. I'm not good enough for this, or, ooh, they're gonna find me out. Um, I'm probably not as good as they think I am. I probably shouldn't be in this job. So confidence and stories, limiting beliefs and all that type of stuff. So that's one area mm. of clutter that really gets in the way. Um, I guess another area is kind of what we were already talking about. It's just this overwhelm of there's so much to do and especially now, it's you, we see that everywhere in organizations where um, where pe people are stretched absolutely to the extreme, um, with more and more and more work coming their way, people leaving, not being replaced, more and more stuff needing to be done. So just this massive overwhelm of activity, mm. either with getting stuck into things and you know getting this project delivered, or the I've got 15 people in my team. Some of them need attention. I quite, haven't quite got the time to spend with them. And actually, I need to think about myself and my own personal development. Mm. And that always comes last. Yeah. Look, it's a fascinating area. Mm. So thank you for coming in and, and sharing a bit with us. Uh, with regards to creating uh, space coaching, yes. if someone was interested in getting in touch, how might they best do that? Mm. LinkedIn is a good way to get yep. in touch or else through the website, there's a contact us. Form. What's the website address? So that's www.creatingspacecoaching.co.uk. Perfect. Or any other social media platform. Awesome. Well, look, thank you for coming in on a frankly horrible day <laughs> with the remnants of this storm <laughs> uh, and sharing a little bit with us. Pleasure. Thanks for having me.
So um, how stretched do you feel on a day-to-day basis? <laughs> Where, where's my boss? <laughs> um, He's not made it in yet, has he? No, he hasn't. He's, he's sat in a sauna somewhere. <laughs> um, how? Loads. Yeah. Loads. Um, I've worked in three recruitment agencies. Um, I'm an ex-teacher. Um, oh, Christ, that must have been worse, coach. if anything. No. That, really? that, that's what I'm getting to and this has been by far the busiest job and I don't necessarily think it's it's the business I don't think it's having that I just think that's the way the world's going yeah um, we're in the information age where everything is constantly at your fingertips and you've got to either react or risk losing out effectively do you feel like there is this pressure <coughs> that we should always be learning like obviously continuous learning is good right mm. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be learning, yeah. but when 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 she was when Ingrid was talking about the fact that we are like on the way into work, listening to stuff and mm. consuming, and and I was very genuine when I said oh, I can't think of anything worse. Mm. I just <clears throat> we don't give ourselves enough space to just switch off from it all, no. and there is this definite kind of like I don't know, it's I don't know whether pressure is the right word, but it's almost like you should be doing this, and you should you get made to feel guilty if you mm. go, you know, I, I haven't. Mm. gone into work and read City AM on the way into work and made sure that I'm up to date on what's going on yeah, yeah. I think it's more the expectation that it, it shouldn't be happening in work time because it doesn't ne- there's not necessarily a direct result or return on what you know listening to a podcast for example on leadership you know the, the result that you you'll get from implementing what you've listened to isn't necessarily tangible result <clears throat> so it's an argument to suggest well why should you be doing that in work if it's not going to give us as an organization a, a tangible result mm. um, so then what you end up doing is doing it in your own time now when you get home you want to spend time with the family so what time do you have you've got your commute to do it and then you put your I put my little one to bed and I'm you know constantly on my phone watching the news or any articles I'm getting you know yeah social media is great these days isn't it It knows exactly what your interest is and guess what on Instagram there's something that you're interested in so you're gonna open it so um, there, there's just no opportunity to do that in work yeah even though it kind of can feel like work how do people <clears throat> I mean how do you get to work here uh, train yeah is that the majority of the office get the train or do you reckon people drive? Or? It's a real mix. So we've got a few people that drive, a few people that get the tram and train um, and a few people that just live in town so they walk. Yeah. Because I think there is this... It's funny, if you have a look at the podcast audience, generally speaking, this isn't just tech talks, mm-hmm. this is like podcasting more more, more widespread. 70% of ish of our audience is London. Mm-hmm. 3% of our audience is the UK outside of London. 17% of our audience is the US. Oh, wow. We don't actually have many listeners outside of the Southeast bubble. I've always wondered if that's because there is this thing in London now that everyone's on the train, everyone commutes on the train, yeah. therefore you've got your smartphone in your hand, versus if you live in, I don't know, Derby or Nottingham, mm. the chances are you probably drive to work. Yeah, yeah. You haven't got a phone in your hand, you're probably sitting the radio on as opposed yeah, to something absolutely. else. I also wonder whether those people are a bit healthier and happier for the fact that they're not being constantly bombarded 24-7 by their screen, effectively. Probably, yeah. I think if I had the choice to drive in and the traffic was better around Manchester driving because nothing like the comfort of your own car, right? And switching off and listening to the radio and you're not not reading the news or it's just coming through through the radio and you just get to chill out on your way in and, and switch off and prepare yourself for the day. Yeah rather than 
coming into work and feeling behind because you haven't had that moment to think about what you're going to do today. What do you think about this idea that, about the uh, the stories that we tell ourselves that Ingrid was talking about with regards to confidence? Um, I thought it was quite interesting because last night when we were talking about uh, mental health, mm. I mentioned about imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And this kind of feels like it ties in quite closely to that, that idea that we're sitting there and part of that mental clutter that people need to get rid of is, I'm not good enough or yeah. why am I being asked to do X? Yeah, I think um, the belief ladder is, is massive and it's single-handedly the hardest thing to overcome, especially in our industry. You know, mm. um, it's sales, people are pre-programmed to be scared of sales because of the negative connotation that it has in this country. Yeah. Uh, in America, however, sales is embraced. Everyone's a salesman um, and it's quite a valuable career um, over there. So I hear anyway, over here it's got a negative connotation. So when you get a graduate to come in and you encourage them to pick up the phone and speak to a potential contact, the first thing that goes in their head is fear of rejection. Yeah. Um, which then has an impact on, well, if I do get a no, as we call it, my confidence is going to get hit, and I don't want my confidence to get hit. So I'll tell you what, I'm just going to avoid doing that because um, I don't want my confidence to get hit. <clears throat> so, Do you think we frame it in too basic a way? Because you kind of talk about, certainly in sales, you get a no and we say mm. resilience. Mm. Oh, it's okay, you kind of you move on, you will get a yes. The resilience piece, I, I, I understand it's positive, fine. <clears throat> But it's, it's, it's always a, right, it's a challenge. You're going to get through that wall. You're going to get through that wall. Mm-hmm. It doesn't allow anyone to kind of, you, it doesn't allow for someone to go, no, it's okay. it is okay. Mm. Like, it is okay to get told no. It is okay to have doubt. Just because you don't dust yourself off immediately mm. doesn't mean you're not going to be a success. I don't know. It just feels like we're constantly churning on some kind of hamster wheel and sometimes we don't kind of give people a chance to reflect and go, no, it's, it's all right, yeah. chill out and... and Everyone has these doubts. Everyone has these concerns. Mm. You don't have to be this unemotive, automat- mm. you know, robot that can kind of get through any challenge. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, there isn't that time to just step back and see why did I get a no? Could I have changed something? It's straight away. I'm next, make the next, next call because yeah. I'm successful on the next call. I forget about the previous one where I did get a no. And actually, does that improve the person? No. All it shows is. They're just going to keep doing the same thing, but expect a different result, which yeah. is the definition of insanity, right? Kind of feels like it ties <clears> into <throat> the whole like always-on culture thing that we're yeah, kind of stuck absolutely. in. Absolutely, and I think the world is changing. I think the um, the new generation that's coming in, Generation Z, and I, I hate to tarnish everybody with the same brush, but it is a completely different person to when I was coming through the ranks, where kind of just did whatever I was told because yeah. I just assumed the person telling me to do it knew what they were doing yeah, so, yeah, yeah. and I wanted to be that person so I just did it whereas now I think we're getting people a lot more thought provoking and they, they want to understand the why and, and, and the how um, before the doing it um, so they feel more confident going into doing a task yeah. um, so I think that is going to change and I think sales is going to completely change as well in the, in the future well, look Ingrid thanks for coming on and being our guest uh, loads of, of interesting thought around the coaching and decluttering space and reminded to me that I should probably blow that shed up at the bottom of the garden. Uh, Mario, thanks for letting me spring that on you. You're not done yet, though. Oh, okay. We're going to have a short advert break and I'm going to throw something else at you oh, completely okay. unprepared. Wow. 
Once a month, Tech Talks opens The Tuck Shop, a YouTube tech news roundup, which is kindly carried by Disruptive Live. Disruptive Live is the UK's first and only 24-7 TV channel for the technology industry. Stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following our regular talk shows broadcast live across the Disruptive Live website and social media channels. You can also catch Disruptive Live at some of the largest global technology events, broadcasting from London, Manchester, Singapore, Dubai, and many more. So every every show we have a bit of technology news to finish off on. Okay. Right, and this is normally blind, so don't worry. I'm not just kind of like <laughs> doing something that no one else has got. Right. <clears throat> bit of news coming out in the tech industry this morning. Um, GSMA, who are the company behind Mobile World Congress, mm-hmm. have cancelled this year's conference next week because yeah. of coronavirus. Right. First of all, I don't really, I don't know how I feel about getting on a train back to London right now. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it's, I don't know, ground zero. No, uh, might just stay in well, Manchester, it's safer. <laughs> but um, yeah, massive decision because Mobile World Congress in Barcelona is 100,000 people. Yeah. I've, been, I've been to that one probably about seven or eight years ago. Mm. But any of these huge tech conferences, like obviously you've got um, Web Summit in Lisbon in mm-hmm. November. Cancelling an event like that a week before is going to yeah. cause absolute chaos. Statement, isn't it? Absolute statement that um, the world is taking sort of taking precautions that are needed. To be fair, whether yeah. it's right or wrong, yeah, I think people are. I mean, there's a lot of people saying there's a lot of people saying that they didn't really have a lot of choice because a lot of their exhibitors were beginning to pull out. Yeah, which you can understand. Like <clears> if you are, I think it, I think it mentions LG as one of the companies that have pulled out. Um, just seeing if I can double check. LG, Nokia, Sony, Sprint. They'll they'll look at it and go, "Are we putting our staff at an unnecessary risk? Flying them to some to to somewhere internationally, and then sticking them in one location with a big group of people? Is that a risk that we should be taking? Of course, it's spreading the disease in um, or the virus. Sorry, in we'll we'll just amplify it. We'll just yeah. It is it is insanity to be completely. I do get it. It is a very big concern though, like a, a, a city like Barcelona mm. is obviously, it's not going to be massively adversely affected, but this is a big event for them, you know, yeah. hoteliers, taxi firms, yeah. restaurants, that'll be a big Gorgeous. part of their year when there's, a, when there's that big influx of people coming mm. in. Um, and I, I suppose that's the thing that you're beginning to look at now with coronavirus, obviously it's horrendous what's happening to, to people and there's a lot of concern and fear, but it's going to start impacting on economies and on business because yeah. stuff will slow down. People will stop traveling. Yeah. And, and, and like we're saying, like cities like Barcelona do rely on these kind of yeah. events. Hopefully they can get it rearranged and Barcelona will, will benefit. But it's, yeah, you're right. It, it will have an impact on productivity, essentially, whether people are not going into work because they're, fear, they're fearful or whether um, people can't do international travel or yeah. whatever it may be. Businesses, yeah, I think I think they will. Well, look, i yeah, I might reconsider going back to London. <laughs> Manchester's lovely. Stay up here with the missus' parents, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're actually out in Spain. Oh, are they? Yeah, oh, there yeah. you go. You got a free house. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm sure that some of her mates will be around. Just go knock <laughs> on their doors. Yeah, fancy just here. Ho- just gonna stay. Sir. What is yeah. it? Sofa, sir. Maybe maybe Haley can stay in London. She yeah. might, you know. Better quarantine for a yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, don't go anywhere near <laughs> any excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Look, thanks for coming on the show. Cheers, Dave. Thank you.